Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have a returning guest, uh, Dr. Tom O'Brien. He's a a big-time leader in the health world because he's not just doing work, let's say, with patients. He's communicating a lot extensively about how to do things such as improve your immunity, uh, improve your brain health, uh, your metabolic health, et cetera. He's, He's just always out there speaking, educating, helping. Uh, he's a great voice um, in the medical world that, you know, is not necessarily always going with the traditional treatments that don't seem to really be, in my mind, in my experience, really effective at all. So I'm glad he's there. And today, um, he's been talking a lot, you know, as everyone has about the uh, the coronavirus, but he has some really interesting insights and positive news, not just, you know, give up and run away and hide and die. He's got uh, positive stuff to help you, to help you you know, if you do get it, uh, to get through it better, hopefully, um, maybe not even to get it at all, to boost your immunity, et cetera. So we're going to go into that. And, uh, I want to welcome you. Thanks, Tom. How you doing? Oh, thank, thank, thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back with you again. Yeah. And again, I just want to say that you're, you're a positive force in all this instead of negativity. And I really appreciate that. And um, tell me about what, what's been your experience these past month in your communications and the feedback you're getting from people. Ah, uh, well, people are scared and they're apprehensive and there's a uh, uh, overwhelm factor that's huge right now. And, uh, you know, it's important to be following these guidelines about the quarantine and washing your hands. I and mean, if you get any packages delivered, remember, people have been dealing with those packages. And so you've got to um, be conscious of the box that you're receiving. And then when you unpack, unpack the box, wash your hands. Uh, 20 seconds and, you know, do all those protective things that we've been hearing about to do. Uh, But in the midst of it, how do we hold this time? How do we hold this condition Uh, for those that have been getting sick? Why am I getting sick? And how come I'm getting sick and that person is not? Uh, Mm. there, There are a number of questions like that, that this gives us the opportunity to take a look at and to um, evaluate. And I think the first thing that's uh, worth noting, uh, as the papers are coming out, and they're coming out fast and furious, the research papers on this, you know, they're talking about on the average, uh, once a person gets exposed, and the most common estimates I'm hearing is somewhere about 60 to 80% of all of us will get exposed to the virus. That's unavoidable, or we have been exposed already. That's unavoidable. And after about five days of the exposure, and there's a range, but the majority, after about five days, people can start feeling uh, a little unwell. Uh, They can have sore throats. They can uh, have uh, a little bit of a fever. They can have some gas, diarrhea, some GI complaints. Uh, Usually that starts about five days after an exposure. And then seven to eight days after that is when people, some people are getting pretty darn sick. Mm. 
And we know about, and uh, well, first let's, let's stop there, that seven to eight p- day period. How come it takes seven to eight days after you feel a little not well before you're starting to feel, to feel really sick? And we know the way this virus works that it, it um, hides from part of your immune system. It successfully can hide from part of your immune system. And there are some studies coming out that are showing the ability of the virus to hide from your immune system so that your immune system can't take care of it right away um, is partially contributed to by whether or not you have enough zinc in your body. That zinc pre- uh, prevents the virus from getting into your cells if you have enough. And unfortunately, it's one of those minerals that most of us don't get enough zinc. Uh, uh, so many of us are a little insufficient or deficient. Uh, but after about seven, eight days, if people are going to get sick, uh, real sick, that's when they get sick. And they go to the hospital. And uh, what's been happening is the hospital has been sending them home if they don't need respirators uh, because they're so overwhelmed. And, you know, they send you home and say, let's just watch this thing now and just keep an eye on it, meaning there's, they're not being told anything they can do. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, you know, uh, that's unfortunate because there are a number of things that you can do that may help your immune system. And so we've been doing coffees with Dr. Tom uh, every morning at 9 a.m. Pacific on Facebook and uh, Instagram and our YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, every day I talk about a different topic. You know, uh, okay. day, day two, I talked about vitamin D. And uh, I, I entitled it to D or not to D. And then, yeah. we, and then we are, just, are these talks uh, being archived, by the way? If I, they are. If they I are. Your talk. Okay, good. I yeah, they're all it. available. Good question. Thanks. Uh, they're all archived on Facebook and YouTube and I think on Instagram. I don't know too much about Instagram. My wife takes care of that. Uh, you know, but they're all there and they're free. They're no charge. And uh, if people want afterwards... They can get the slides that I use. I make slides every day. Um, They can get the studies. They can download the studies. They can get the transcripts because I'm having every day transcribed. Uh, And they're all available. And uh, we've asked for $37 for the week, you know, for this from people. But I said, but listen, this is not to be uh, excluded from anyone that can't afford it. If you can't afford it, just hit the button scholarship. And then they're all there for you for free. Uh, but we just ask if, if you're doing the scholarship, you need to write just a couple of sentences and tell me how are you going to pay it forward? You know, it's, it's a, there, there has to be some kind of an exchange. So if we're giving you all of the information from the work that my team is doing, cause I'm trying to keep my team employed right now, you know, and so right. they're, yes. they're, they're doing a great job, but if you can't afford it, that's fine. That's not a problem at all, but just tell us, how are you going to pay it forward? And as, okay. long as, as long as you do that, they're all yours. They're all yours. All the information, all the science, all the slides, they're all there for you. And I, so I've we, seen that um, you've been doing the ones with you, but you've also brought on a number of experts. Is that part of the coffee series or is that separate? That's right. Um, uh, just this morning, we did uh, the Q&A, which was day number eight. And uh, uh, I brought on uh, my good friend, Dr. Ron Chang who is a board-certified internist and functional medicine practitioner in Houston, who is one of the beta sites in the country, meaning these guys are using it before everybody else. 
and in terms of testing, and they're doing the uh, standard um, uh, blood test for COVID-19, and they're doing the deep nasal swabs, meaning you have to take a Q-tip and go way, way up the nose that a person can't do it to themselves. It's impossible. You have to have a nurse doing it, just jamming it way up there, uh. looking for the virus. And then they're doing the finger prick, and they're doing all three on 500 people, uh, uh, and they're working uh, to send those results in. And if the finger prick is as accurate as the others, and all, all the information is that it, will, it is, then the um, uh, FDA is going to fast-track approval for the test, and the test may be available as early next week. And what that means, a, well, well, what that means is that we can send you a little card in the mail, and you do a finger prick, put the drops of blood on the card, send it back, and you know within a couple, three days, if you've got immunity now, to COVID-19. If, you're, if your immune system, yes, you were exposed and you didn't get really sick, which is great. And now your body's making antibodies. So you've got immunity to this thing. In the I, have a, I have a worry here though. I mean, you know, maybe this is paranoia, but you know, my, my doctor yesterday is a concierge doc. He emailed and he said, you know, we could do the test now, et cetera. But I asked him, I said, all right, let's say I do the test and I have antibodies or I don't are you required to disclose that data? What if the government asks you? And then what if I'm, you know, I don't want, I mean, I know this is the U.S., at least where I'm at, but, you know, you just, when you see what other countries are doing, like, you know, what what happens if, uh, you know, if you have tested positive for it? What, you know, will they, <laughs> will you be uh, damaged in some way, prevented from going out, prevented from getting insurance? I mean, who knows? You know? Well, that's Again, a maybe really, paranoid, but, yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. And, the, the, that type of question came up with the whole world of genetics also. And if you do a test on your genes, um, uh, is that information available to uh, anyone that asks? You know, if you do a test and you've got the Alzheimer's gene, but you're fine, do you want your insurance company to know you have the Alzheimer's gene? And I think that's a valid test. But with somewhere between 60 to 80% of the population being exposed to this virus, you want people to have immunity that... I, I can't think of a downside to that because, you know, if you test, um, you should have immunity to measles and to smallpox and to uh, tetanus and to rubella and to all the things that you you have vaccinations for as a kid. Uh, you should have antibodies to those now. That's the purpose of getting vaccinations. And I'm not trying to be pro or against vaccinations here. I'm just saying that's the mechanism to confirm if the ma- if the vaccination works is so that now you're protected against that disease. Well, the same. Yeah, normally, is- normally I wouldn't worry, but because everyone's so damn irrational about the coronavirus, so fearful, and being marked as someone that uh, you know has antibodies to it, who knows? If I just again, I, it's probably a paranoia, but I just feel like uh, you know I don't feel safe doing it in a way, and I just wonder if a lot of people feel that way too for that reason. Yeah, that's a very valid, very valid question, and some people may. And, and as you're saying, you you know feel some apprehension. Um, uh, you can't argue with how a person feels. Um, uh, I can't think of a downside. And the benefit of knowing if you now have some immunity to this thing is that if it follows the course of other pandemics and what we know about other coronavirus uh, infections that have occurred in the past, the uh, months of uh, flare-up when coronavirus is most common 
because this is not the first coronavirus. This is just the current one and the worst one so far that's been recorded. But the months when coronavirus is bad is November through April. And so if you get through this time and everybody's and you're fine and the vast majority of people will be fine here, uh, I personally would want to know, all right, was I exposed and do I now have antibodies? So I don't have to worry about next fall when this thing, if it comes back again with a vengeance, uh, am I more likely to be okay with it? So I think that's a pretty good reason to consider doing the test just to know. And if it comes back and you don't have any antibodies right now to coronavirus, knowing that this thing, if it follows uh, uh, historical trends, is going to come back with a vengeance next fall, uh, late fall and, and winter, early winter, uh, then that would be a clue to do extra work to strengthen your immune system, to learn the things to do, like make sure your zinc levels are good, make sure your vitamin D levels are good, make sure your quercetin levels are good, make sure you've got access to the things you need if you start feeling a little bit of a fever or uh, a cough or something next fall, you want to make sure your medicine cabinet is filled up with the right things. And so, you know, there, there are some benefits that I can think of to knowing whether or not um, I've got antibodies right now to coronavirus. Um, so uh, I personally am a proponent of that test and because uh, uh, I don't think there's a downside to knowing given that it is uh, so prevalent, somewhere between 60 to 80% of all of us uh, will have been exposed to this thing. Well, it's, it, it's funny. The logic is reversed. I was, when I, when my doctor emailed me that, I got nervous that I didn't have antibodies, which is funny. You know, you, you normally would be nervous if you're test positive for something. Yeah. But I was nervous that I would test negative for it because I was, then I thought, oh no, I still haven't. If, if it's just funny, the, the reverse of thought. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, for people that come back negative, uh, to antibodies, to producing antibodies, because there's a couple different tests for coronavirus. One is to look for the exhaust of the virus itself. And um, that means you've got it actively in your body right now. Uh, that's different than looking at the antibodies. The antibodies mean you are exposed to this thing. You might have some in your body right now, but you're making antibodies to it. So your immune system is going to work to protect you. So um, I personally believe you want antibodies to this right now. You do. Mm, yeah. uh, uh, because you know, there, there's going to be a coronavirus vaccine that comes out, uh, and historically they take over a year. But that w- when they come out, it's just like the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine that people got um, this last winter was from the flu of a year ago, not the flu that's come around this year. And, you know, the argument is, but wait a minute, this is the vaccine for last year's flu. Yes, that's true. Well, is there any evidence that it helps for a new flu that comes around? Well, not very much. Then why am I doing the flu vaccination? And that's a really good question uh, that uh, the, the proponents to avoiding the flu vaccination use all the time. And they quote quite a bit of science on that. Uh, so you know, they're, they're not fanatics, uh, just coming up with stuff out of the blue. Uh, but with this coronavirus one, this is a bad one right now. And uh, as we're hearing that uh, numbers of people who are getting extremely sick and dying, uh, the percentages, they're as high as 2%, which is tremendously high. Usually the flu 
uh, is somewhere around point one percent. Or uh, yeah, you know one, what though? I mean, I, I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist, and I don't mean to say either way, but I've heard from multiple, multiple sources that doctors are and healthcare people are being instructed. Hey, if it looks like coronavirus, it seems like it just marketed as coronavirus. Yeah. And then there's all the people that may have it or not that haven't gotten tested and are being turned away unless they're very sick. And then, you know, the people that do pass away, are they really passing away from it? I don't think they're doing autopsies. So I don't know if the data is at all accurate. I mean, how do you know what's accurate? Well, that's a really valid question. I mean, just this morning, my wife saw a story of a a pregnant woman who was so scared and nervous and she got coronavirus and she was sick and she miscarried and she miscarried at 22 weeks and the baby did not live. And they categorized that baby as dying from coronavirus. Well, I don't think so. You know, I, I, I would question that, that cause of death. Uh, 22 weeks is very early uh, for a, a premature uh, uh, baby to be born. And perhaps it was, you know, so I think there's some validity to what you're saying there. Uh, but I'm following uh, Johns Hopkins uh, University every day at 6 a.m. They're posting the numbers from all over the world. And, and uh, uh, I'm following them. And there's another site called MedCram, like you're cramming information in, MedCram.com. That um, These guys are working really hard to... Uh, produce accurate information. And, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist, but uh, what I'm reading from Johns Hopkins and from MedCram um, is rational to me. Uh, But there are a lot of people that are talking about conspiracies here, and I get it, and I don't mean to diminish it. Um, I would just rather err on the side of caution right now and make sure that my medicine cabinet is stocked properly, and I'm not going to be eating stuff that I know uh, in general, yeah, it's not really good for me. I shouldn't be need, eating that. Well, this is not the time to be indulging in that kind of stuff. You know, stop mm-hmm. eating the ding-dongs and ho-hos and potato chips and ice cream. And if you notice that you get kind of mucusy and you got uh, <laughs> snot when, uh, after you eat cheese, don't eat cheese right now because yeah. that, that mucus makes you a human Petri dish. And bacteria and viruses love being... Uh, in a human Petri dish uh, because there's no immune system in your mucus. You know, your immune cells can't get out there into that stuff. And so these things can grow and grow and grow. So you want to reduce the amount of mucus you've got right now. Uh, that's a critically important concept. And you know, what's a, what's an issue though? Like, like, you know, just talking about food now people are searching for comfort. So, you know, a lot of people call certain foods, comfort foods, Yep. So not only now are you searching for comfort, but you shouldn't be eating those foods. So it makes it maybe even tougher. I don't know. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, if you go to the supermarkets and people have been saying this all week, they go to the supermarkets and the outer uh, rows of the super- supermarket are pretty well stocked with vegetables and, and, you know, organic produce, all that. And the middle section with the cereal and the cookies and um, the treats, it's empty. You know, that people have filled their shopping carts with all the comfort stuff that they like. So they're going home and they're stuck at home right now and they're eating the foods that are not good for them. And, you know, the reason why one third of all the confirmed, confirmed, not reported, but confirmed cases in the world, according to Johns Hopkins, 
Now uh, it's it's at 28.1% of them are in the U.S. Uh, uh, almost 30% of all the cases, confirmed cases in the world are in the U.S. And why is that? Well, only 18% of us in the U.S. are metabolically healthy. Uh, uh, almost half of us have either diabetes or pre-diabetes. Over a third of us have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Uh, and uh, 40% of us are overweight. And if you're overweight, you have more than two times the risk of having a severe reaction to COVID, meaning between days five and 14. And 20, 20, I think it's 28% of us are obese. And if you're obese, you have over three times the risk. And so this is a lifestyle disease. And I see the opportunity here is to help people to realize, wow, you mean the way I've lived my life has determined whether I'm going to get sick from this thing or not? And the answer is absolutely. There is nothing else that has been shown to affect whether or not you get sick from this virus exposure except the efficiency of your immune system to deal with the virus. There's nothing else. And so if your immune system is not competent enough to deal with this virus, you get sick. And if you get sick in, after the first five days, you get a little bit of sickness and you're okay. The takeaway from that, first, knock on wood, that's really great. But the takeaway is, okay, uh, I guess my immune system isn't strong enough. I didn't get too sick, thank God, but my immune system's not as strong as it should be. What do I have to do to strengthen my immune system in the future? That's the takeaway. You know, on my, new, sense, patient, yeah. on my new patient exam, uh, one of the questions is, how often do you get the flu? And uh, people answer, once a year, twice a year. And how many days are you down? Oh, three days, four days, seven days. You know, it's normal. No, it's not. You're not supposed to get the flu every year or a cold every year. And that's a question we use as a monitor of how efficient is their immune system function before we do any testing. And that clues us in. If I have a patient that comes in because of migraines or because of uh, brain fog, you know, it doesn't matter what the symptoms are. If they answer on that questionnaire that they're getting the flu once a year and they're down for a week, we're looking at their immune system. We're doing more tests, more blood tests to see the efficiency of their immune system because that's not, that's an immune system that's not working very well. Uh, so one of, the sense, take, yeah. one of the takeaways for anyone that gets sick here is to recognize, hey, thank God, you know, I made it through first. And then why did I get sick? And I better, I better look at some of this stuff and figure out what, what am I doing, or is this genetic? Do I have to, and you can't fix the genes, but uh, we all turn our genes on or we turn our genes off. It's called epigenetics, what happens around the genes. We turn them on or we turn them off by how we live our lives. The foods that we eat, uh, whether we're really stressed, producing a lot of stress hormones, uh, are we drinking four cups of coffee a day, or are we drinking pop? Are we drinking too much alcohol? You know, what are the things we're doing? So all of that has to be evaluated uh, for everyone who has a reaction to being exposed to this virus. Well, given that a lot of people are in crisis mode, you know, these are the things they should do. And, uh, you know, if they haven't done them up to this point, well, you know, I guess you don't want to put them into a state of panic and say, hurry up and you got to clean things up and you got to avoid the virus and everything. But 
it, it all points to me right now for managing your mental state, I guess, first. Yep. How do you how do you keep calm enough to keep a level head and then to do the necessary things and take the good suggestions like you're giving? What's your recommendation there? Well, that's a really good point. And, you know, there are so many different ways and people have heard about um, doing a little prayer every day or do a little meditation every day, uh, do a little silent walking every day. Um, uh, whatever your vehicle is um, that gets you closer to a connection with the divine, however you describe that, you might just sit quietly. Uh, I'm waking up every morning uh, before the sun comes up and I sit outside and I just listen to the day. You know, I don't bring my phone out. I'm not looking at my computer. Uh, I don't have any notes I'm taking. I just listen to the, as the day wakes up, listen to the different birds that start singing and, you know, watch the sky turn color. But that's a quiet time for me. And I really like it. Uh, but for those that don't have a discipline like that, or for those who don't feel like that's part of their nature to do that kind of thing, this is something that everyone can do. And everyone should do this. And you'll find within two days of doing this, it makes a difference in how you feel, which means the amount of stress hormones you're, you're, you're producing. This works for every single person. If you don't do it, well, you know, you, you can lead a horse to water. And if you're not interested, you're not interested, good luck to you. But, but you know, our job is to tell you the information. So this comes from my friend, Dr. Pedram Shojai, in one of his books, um, this is an exercise he talks about. Set your alarm to beep every hour, every waking hour. So every hour, but to turn it off when you go to sleep. When the alarm goes off, just pause it and set it for another hour. And then you just stop whatever you're doing and take five deep breaths. A deep breath means inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. And do that five times. Takes you 15 seconds. Okay. Do that every waking hour and just notice how you feel within one day, within two days. You feel different. And it's so easy to stop doing it because we get addicted, excuse me, but we've got a Jones to the stress hormones and the buzz that it gives us, that we live in a state of depending on those stress hormones. So when you do five deep breaths every waking hour, within one day, you're no longer living in a high state of stress. It calms your system down right away. So to that really important question that you asked, how do we change our mindset on this? And it's a critically important part of supporting your immune system. And the technical term is to be more in a parasympathetic dominant state, not a sympathetic dominant state. We want to calm down our sympathetic nervous system, our fight, flight, or fright. And the way you do that, five deep breaths will do it every waking hour within one day. You notice that you've calmed down. So that's a great little exercise that everyone can do that's non-religious, non-sectarian, uh, you're just centering inside yourself. Well, it's a contrast, which is good, and it was calming just to hear you say that. What do you think people are doing right now that's not helpful to them? What's their waking like right now? What's your guess? They're eating their comfort foods, you know, the cookie, and and they're um, uh, 
probably so many people are watching stuff on television or online that is more stimulatory, more, more, um, uh, uh, how many people got killed in the show you watched yesterday? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, I was going to joke with you and say, so it's probably a bad idea to, right before you go to sleep, check the coronavirus news. And as soon as you wake up, check the coronavirus news first thing. Yeah, that's, you know, that's exactly right. Exactly right. It's like people watching the news at night before going to sleep. What positive news have you ever heard? Or how often do you hear positive news on the 11 o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news? It's all murders and deaths and and more stress, more trauma, and we've become a society that in some ways is addicted to that type of information. So, you know, the concept of five deep breaths and uh, eat the rainbow diet, which means as many colors of the rainbow as you can, the deeper the color, the healthier the food for you, like blueberries. Many doctors know that one cup of blueberries a day for three years, and you're thinking as well as you were 13 years earlier. Uh, and this, the studies are really clear on that, that the polyphenols in the blueberries are really, really good for you. And raspberries and different types of fruits, the darker the fruit, the better for you. Uh, uh, and okay. eating the color of the, uh, uh, of the rainbow, constantly eating the color of the rainbow is really good for you. Hey, Tom, I got a, maybe a, a strange question for you, but, if, you know, not that they're going to go out and deliberately try to get act, exposed to the coronavirus, but you know, you're saying 60 to 80% of people will probably get exposed. Is that this season? Is that next season? And if you had to make the choice, if you could make the choice, would you rather be exposed this season or next season? Well, um, that's a tough question to answer about the seasons. Uh, um, when would you want to be exposed? Um, you want to be exposed when, when your uh, uh, immune system is the strongest, uh, whenever that is. Um, so uh, the closer to summer you are, in general, the stronger your immune system. Why? Because perhaps you've been out a little bit more, so you're, you've made a little more vitamin D. D is a critically important component of strengthening your immune system. It sharpens the teeth of your Pac-Man, if I can say it that way, in your immune system. Um, then I'll give you an example. They did a study. Uh, they found four people who died in the 1918 pandemic flu uh, on an army base up in the Yukon, and they, they were buried in the tundra, the Arctic tundra. They dug them up. This was about eight years ago, and they did autopsies, Uh, to find out how they died. And sure enough, they died by what's called a cytokine storm that uh, in the lungs, the immune system in their lungs, uh, the cells that are first responders to something getting in that shouldn't get in are called macrophages. Macrophages are like a high-powered rifle, special forces with a high-powered rifle. They fire their chemical bullet. Uh, right at whatever the invader is, like a virus or a bacteria or something. And uh, what happened in the 1918 flu is the macrophages were firing their chemical bullet, uh, but the trigger on the high-powered rifle got stuck in the on position, and that high-powered rifle became a submachine gun. 
And so the macrophages produce lots of cytokines. Uh, uh, that, that was the cytokine storm. And the result of that was that's why in the 1918 flu, healthy people went down. And healthy people go to work in the morning. They never came home that night. That if they developed a cytokine storm, that it happened in one day and they drowned in pneumonia uh, in their lungs. So they did autopsy on these people. They confirmed that that's what happened to them. And then an, an accompanying article, ident- and this was in the journal Blood, identified that the spring on the trigger of the high-powered rifle of your macrophages uh, to fire their chemical bullets, that spring that got stuck in the on position, forcing it to become a submachine gun, that, str- that spring is completely controlled by vitamin D. So when you don't have enough vitamin D, you run the risk of the spring on the trigger getting in a stuck position. It's one of the things that puts you at risk of a cytokine storm. And so everyone should have their vitamin D level checked. I've said for years, that's the one thing that we all should be testing is our vitamin D levels every year. Uh, yes, cholesterol is important, but in terms of the big picture about health, vitamin D is much more important, much more than cholesterol levels. In terms I'm going of, out for a, uh, a daily walk right now in the sun, how much would that bolster your vitamin D, you think? All the, all the world experts who really study vitamin D, and I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I'm sure there's someone that's not, you know, uh, that hasn't gotten into the light yet. I guess I mean that as a pun. They're on the dark side. But every vitamin D expert, world expert that I read about, talks about all of us should go out in the sun, exposed arms and legs for 15 minutes, about noon, every day. 15 minutes. Not enough to get, not enough to get red, not enough to get burned, right. just 15 minutes a day. And your, that triggers the conversion of hormones in your skin to vitamin D. So it's, a, it's one of the healthiest things you could do is to get exposed, your arms and legs fully exposed without suntan lotion, without any protection for 15 minutes a day. And that'll help boost your vitamin D levels to a good level? That's correct. Very good, very good. All right, Tom, well, we're, uh, we're just about out of time. I know you have hours more of knowledge, and that's why you're doing the coffee talks with yourself and the other experts. Um, can you reiterate to listeners where can they can go for that, and, and again, when, and then uh, any other resources for them at this time. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, it's the dr.com, the doctor, just don't spell the word doctor out, the dr.com forward slash coffee, and you'll, okay. you'll find it there. That's the easiest way to get there. Um, also, you can go to Facebook for the dr.com, and uh, YouTube, we have a channel that's got a, just a ton of videos, how do you build a healthy microbiome, what is intestinal permeability, the leaky gut? How do you fix a leaky gut? All those kinds of videos are there. Uh, but the, the coffee videos are there also. So it's the dr.com okay. forward slash coffee. That's and the one dr is short for the doctor. That's why it's dr. Gotcha. Correct. Correct. And, and last question, Tom, you know, do you tell people that, uh, you know, just to, to brag that you're 300 years old, but you're still in such great shape? <laughs> I'm kidding. That's nice of you. Thank you. No, I haven't quite hit that benchmark. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> but, well, good. But, Tom. but I've I've lost all the pepper in my salt and pepper hair. So. 
Well, listen, I'm, I'm glad you came back and I appreciate it. You know, and I, and I really appreciate that you're a force of positivity, especially now, but always. So thank you for what you do. And, and I appreciate you being here. Thanks very much for the opportunity. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.